0: Hello and welcome back to our daily devotional podcast. First, I want to thank Chris for doing such a good job in relieving me. I When I turned on his recording, he sounded so uncannily like me, I had a great laugh. Well, the difference was that he was so much more cheerful. But well, here I am, back with you guys. And uh, we will continue with our study of Acts chapter 24, we will look verse 22 to 27, Acts chapter 24, verse 22 to 27. Let's pray. Father, speak to us your words of truth. Allow us to understand you and your ways better. Allow us also to know the times when you stand at the door of our hearts and you knock. The God for each of us we may respond to you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 24 verse 22-27 to 27. Then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, adjourned the proceedings. When Lysias the commander comes, he said, I will decide your case. He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. Several days later, Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, That's enough for now, you may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe, so he sent for him frequently and talked with him. When two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus, but because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is a story of hope and sadness. And I'd like to leave two thoughts with you. The first is that of hope. And that is that many people, though having a tough and hard exterior, may be longing to know God and his ways. Felix, as we learned yesterday, was a very corrupt governor. He was cruel. He was harsh. He was corrupt. But deep inside, behind that, he really wanted to know about God, about Jesus Christ, and even about righteousness and self-control. Now, what the what Tertullus, the lawyer and orator, did was not to give him any, not to do him a favor at all. And what he and the Jews were doing was to do him a disfavor. Because all they did was to flatter him and tell him what a great governor he was, how, how grateful the nation of Israel was to him. But really, beyond all that flattery and rhetoric, it didn't matter to, to Felix. What Felix really wanted to know was God. And so he called Paul to himself and quietly talked to, God, to Paul about God. He was familiar with the way and he wanted to know even more. And Paul then, being the courageous one, and yet tactful and gentle, spoke to him about self-control, about righteousness, about judgment. Obviously, Felix wasn't offended, though he was afraid. I suspect that deep inside, Felix wanted to know. Perhaps he was struggling with issues that he could not control himself. He knew that he was a cruel man. He knew that one day he would be found out and the Caesar would transfer him out or throw him out. He knew that there were many impulses within him that needed to be controlled. And so when Paul talked to him about self-control, about the spirit who gives self-control and who helps us to be righteous, Felix was afraid. You know, the lesson of hope for us is that many people sound hard and strong on the exterior. And they're especially so when we confront them angrily. They're especially so when we give with trade rhetoric with them, using our minds to debate, to argue with them, to see who comes out winner. And yet Paul, when he went quietly to Felix, found the softness in Felix's heart. What this teaches us is that often as we approach a person who seems hard, and we approach with a sincerity, with authenticity, even with vulnerableness, if we go and pour our hearts with the person, very often the person, even if they do not accept what we say, will begin to open their hearts to us as well. I remember having a debate with a very strong advocate for LGBT, and of course this person was very against the fact that we claimed that this was sin homosexuality was sin. She argued with all her might. And yet when we got down to it, and when I became vulnerable and told her how much I would long to make peace for homosexuals to be accepted among us, but how I would not be unfaithful to the scripture. There was a softening, there was a meeting of hearts. Though at the end she said, yes, I cannot accept what you say, but I can accept you we came to an understanding that sincerely we needed to meet heart-to-heart. We could meet heart-to-heart, and so we continue a dialogue with each other. You see, when we stop and when we remove our rhetoric, our fierce condemnatory rhetoric, I'm right, you are wrong, and we go on to speak heart-to-heart, we will discover that many people in their hearts heart of hearts long to know God, long to know the ways of God even if it frightens them. They want to know what God is like, and what God can do. And so take heart, there may be people around you who may have left the faith, who may not have come to faith, who may disagree with you over the faith. Don't go debating because when we use our intellect just to win a battle, just to beat the other person, It's not going to work at all. You're not going to convince a person. But when you go down to speak from your heart on what God does in your life, what God promises to do for our lives, then we may be able to find a soft spot in the other person and draw that person to God. This is the message of hope. But there is also a message of sadness. And that takes me to the second point. This story is one of the saddest I've read in the Bible. Why? Because Felix was so close to following the way. He called Paul repeatedly. He wanted to know more and more about the way of God, about the way of Jesus Christ. But at the end of the day, there were two things that bothered him. One was bribery. He wanted to enrich himself. He wanted more money. Second, his insecurity and his wanting to please the Jews. The passage ends with Felix keeping Paul in prison, even though he liked Paul so much, because he was afraid of the Jews. Felix could well have found peace in his heart. He may well have found righteousness. He may well have found self-control in his life. But because he wanted two things, more money, and more favour from the Jews to keep his position. He gave up on what could have been eternal for him. And this is true for many of us, different stages in our lives. You remember the story of of the rich young man and Jesus, and this rich young man was a good man and Jesus loved him, the Bible says. And he wanted to know what would give him eternal life. Jesus' call for him was too great for him when Jesus said, Go sell all your wealth, give it to the poor and come follow me. The man at that time, though he longed for eternal life, though he wanted so much, a different, a meaningful life, he gave that all out because he could not give up his wealth. So for some of us, it is career, it is a happy future, a comfortable future. Even so much is our desire for such a comfortable future that we say to God, "God, I would love to be saved, but God, I don't, can't give my life to you." Now the problem is that is that with that is that we draw a dichotomy between being saved and surrendering. We can have one. We think we can have one, and we can without giving the other. But that's a huge fallacy. Because to be saved is not about eternal life, everlasting life, life after death. To be saved is now to be saved from the depression that catches us, the stress, the sin, the habits, the lack of self-control, sin that governs and rules our lives. That is what God wants to save us from. To be saved, therefore, is the only way to be saved is to give our lives and place our lives before God. Because when we hold on to all that we want, our anger, our vengeance, our lust for, for wealth, our lust for sex, our pride, our vanity, if we held on to all of these things, then our lives will indeed be a living hell. It is only when we lay these things down and say, Lord Jesus, I lay them before you, take them Remove them from me. That we really experience salvation. We really experience ourselves being set free to enjoy life, to live joyfully. Whenever we refuse to surrender parts of our lives, then these parts of our lives will continue to cause stress and tension and great anxiety. When I was young, I was full of ambition. And I didn't want God to take over my life for fear that he might take my life and destroy my future and tear it up, tear up all the good things. And so I held tightly to my life. Of course, I said, God, I surrender. But I knew that I was only surrendering the parts that were easy to surrender. But the main part, my ambitions, I held tight within my heart. It was only when I discovered my life falling apart, when my ambitions were falling apart also, that I realized that I could only find that peace, the freedom from anxiety, when I offered that to God, it's themselves. When I said to God, All these ambitions take them anyway. Because rather than giving me joy and giving me excitement and life, they're taking life away from me. God, please take all my ambitions my future my dreams my hopes take them and give me new dreams new hopes that come from you it was only as i did that that i found great peace in my heart some of you for some of you then it's the future for some of you i suspect it is vengeance It is a sense of being unable to forgive those who have hurt you. And this too could take away so much of your freedom, take away your life. I was ministering to um, a prisoner in death row. And this prisoner had um, had actually been framed by someone outside, framed by a friend because of this he was sentenced to death. Now he came from India, and in his little village that was very closely knit, of course reputation meant everything. When news came back, went back to his hometown that he had been sentenced to death, his father and his mother both had strokes within a week of each other. and So they just lay catatonic, waiting to die. His sisters could not get married either they were betrothed and they could not get a, they were they had to end their betrothal because no one would marry a sister of a condemned man so in the sense this poor man's entire family was wrecked because he had been sentenced to death because he had been framed by someone else now this young man he loved stories about Jesus he was a great artist And often he would draw on his sheets of paper pictures of Jesus bearing the cross. And he said he felt so deeply about a God who would carry a cross, a God who would lift his burdens and his pain. And he was so drawn by Jesus. And every day I saw so much hope that he would come and hold Jesus and let Jesus hold him and lift the burdens from him. But this man wanted vengeance. He could not bear the thought that someone else had placed the blame of murder on him and had left and gone off. What he wanted was to become an avenging spirit and come to continue to haunt this guy for the rest of his life. When he died, this friend of mine held on to the vengeance, to the hope that he would take revenge on the other person. And he said, if I have to go to hell, I will go to hell, but I will not let that man go. It was one of the saddest moments because there was no second chance then. For many others, there are second chances. For me, there was a second chance when God convinced me that my career wasn't anything that was worth keeping compared to the freedom that I had compared to the tension that i held on to if i held on to my ambitions but this man he died holding on to a sense of vengeance the wanting to take revenge it's one of those terribly sad cases but i wonder about you as well for some of you you hold you harbor a lot of anger resentment hatred towards those who have hurt you. And you bear that in your heart year after year, hoping to take revenge. But you know this longing for revenge kills you as much as it might kill the other person. It eats into you. And What God, what Jesus wants is to offer, to take it away from you, to offer His way in place of yours. And if you would allow Jesus to live that, then you will experience eternal life. Then you will experience life in abundance. Question is, would you do that? For some, there will be second, third, fourth, fifth, hundredth chance as God keeps knocking at the door of your heart. For others, there may not be a chance. Not because your life may suddenly end, though that may happen, but because day by day our hearts get harder and harder and harder, and we become more resolute that what we want in life is that ambition, or is that vengeance, or is that something else that we hold from God. It may be too late when you discover that you can't let go at all. So my appeal to you is this. Come to God, lay your hands open to God and say God take it take my hatred take my vengeance take my ambitions and then Lord give me life instead I want to sing a song close by singing a song it's a very old song and well you guys already can guess my age and those around my age would probably know this song it's called the Savior is waiting now I want to read the lyrics to you first before singing The Saviour is waiting to enter your heart. Why don't you let Him come in? There's nothing in this world to keep you apart. What is your answer to Him? Time after time He has waited before, and now He is waiting again. To see if you are willing to open the door, oh, how He wants to come in. If you take one step toward the Saviour, my friend, you find His arms open wide. Receive Him and all of your darkness will end. Within your heart He'll abide. Let me sing this
1: song. The Savior is waiting to enter your heart. Why don't you let Him come in? Savior my friend you find his arms open wide receive him and all of your darkness will end within your heart till abide. time after time he has waited i mm-hmm.
0: Of quiet. Some of you may long for God to take over your life and your situation. Maybe it's a situation that is very dire at work, just waiting, wanting to be out of a job out of this job and to find another to be promoted, perhaps even to be rid of a boss or rid of a colleague. Lay that before God. Do not pester God in that sense because God may not want to give you what you ask for, but may want to give you something better. Surrender to God. Say to God, God, your will be done. There may be things that I want very much, but Lord, your will be done. For others, it may be a situation at work, at home, within your marriage, with your children, with your parents, with your siblings. Once again, say to God, God, have your way with my life. There are things that I so want. Vengeance, perhaps. Justice, perhaps. Something that I want out of my prayers for to you. But God, all that I will say now is this your will be done. So that, Lord, even as you have your way in my life, you will make beautiful things out of my life. And so, God, I pray that you help each of us to lay our lives before you and to say, God, have your way with me. That indeed we will enter into life fullness of life. Father, come minister to each one of us as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and have a great week ahead. God bless you. Goodbye.